Our second reading today is from the book of Mark, the first chapter, verses 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in, in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended to him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Will you pray with me? O oh God of the wilderness, God of the wild beasts, God of wild angels, we lift up to you the desert places, the places where we are scorched. the places where we need to feel your presence. And yet help us to look around in the barren and scorched places that we find ourselves. For you are found in the wilderness. You are found in the wildness. Help us to be found there as well. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good stories are the ones you hear and want to hear more than once. They spiral around, giving meaning and lending significance in multiple ways, multiple interpretations and settings. You remember stories like these, the good ones, when you're in situations where that story's power is needed in order to make the present bearable, understandable. And I think today's scripture is one of these stories. It's a spiral. We've heard it, some of it, before. The first part, during Epiphany, when Jesus was waiting in line to be baptized, next to Nathaniel and his sister who told us her side of the story, as they all were waiting and responding to the baptizer's call to come and wade in the water. And we heard the last part, also in Epiphany, as Jesus came into his own sense of mission and started calling his earliest disciples and traveling companions from their fishing nets and their fathers to a new vocation, 
putting all the skills that they used to catch fish to new use. But it's the two verses in the middle that we skipped both times before that are the energy causing the spiral of baptism, struggle, and vocation. That is Mark's account of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Spiral, a seminary professor of mine was fond of saying, are just liberated circles. And if we think of the biblical story as a spiral, centering around the divine mystery of creation and community, we can find ourselves liberated in the repetition of stories that a promise is made, a journey is taken, a call is given, a struggle is lived, and a promise is kept and made all over again. Now, since Mark only gives us two verses of this entire experience of Jesus being tested in the wilderness, and Matthew gives us 12, and Luke gives us 14, we need to hear the spiral story to help us remember what happened before and what happened after. Because it's the spirit-filled spiral of a story that may just make us free. Mark doesn't spend energy or ink describing or imagining the conversation between Jesus and his adversary. What Mark does focus on is how Jesus got out there in the wilderness in the first place. The Holy Spirit, the same spirit that descended like a peaceful, gentle dove on Jesus' shoulder, even as the heavens were torn violently apart and a voice of parental pride speaks love and acceptance. It's this Holy Spirit, this gentle dove, that immediately drives Jesus out into the wilderness. English translates the verb describing the action of the Spirit in various ways. The version that I think Sandy read was the NRSV. It drove him out into the wilderness. The New International Version has sent Jesus out. And the message describes it as a pushing Jesus out. Each one tries to capture the meaning of this Greek word ekphalo. So stick with me. This New Testament Greek is coming in handy today. And this word means force, drive out, expel, exorcise. It's the same word used here that Jesus uses every time he sends out or commands a spirit of unclean origins to come out of a person inhabited by a demon. The Holy Spirit exercises Jesus into the wilderness. It's a powerful, forceful word that in English we just miss it. There's an action to it and some resistance. This suggests to me that maybe Jesus didn't want to go out there. So it needed an extra kind of force to send him, force him out into the wilderness. Maybe he didn't want to go because of what he might encounter out there. 
He had just received a blessing, confirmation, a peace in the waters of baptism. But there wasn't even time to dry off before he was expelled by the divine pushiness of the Holy Spirit to spend 40 days with wild beasts and angels alike to figure out what it means to be beloved in whom God is well pleased and to figure out what it doesn't mean. Well, Matthew and Luke, they give the testy dialogue back and forth, kind of like a script in a play, listing the three temptations and Jesus' rationale for holding out. But it's just one verse that Mark gives poetically of detailing what the wilderness was actually like. That temptation is like being in the presence of angels and animals and somehow holding on to the truth of being beloved and staying true to the message that must be proclaimed. For 40 days, Jesus was in the presence of animals who were wild, but like Daniel in the lion's den, he was not harmed. Perhaps this is because some of those angels looked like animals. As Herb Sirk said on Tuesday at Free For All, not all angels are instrumentalists. Just think about that. They're not precious moments angels either. Because, for instance, the angel, my favorite angel, placed as guard to the entrance of the Garden of Eden, of innocence, carried a flaming sword. That is an angel or an animal I want on my side when dealing with an adversary. But it's here in the wilderness that the ideal and the myth of the garden, where creation lived in peace, humans and animals living together, met reality in the wilderness. The reality of our world right now, where there are both angels and animals and adversaries all dwelling together. But also in this wilderness reality, the Son of God remained beloved, remained a new Adam whose message heralded the possibility for a renewed humanity, who knew in spite and through it all that the time is now, the sovereignty of God is here. So repent and believe in the good news. Forty days in the wilderness is a glimpse of the process of creation restored and renewed. Not a return to Eden, not a return to the garden, but here in the dust, in the dirt, amidst the company of wild things, earthly and unearthly. Amidst the company that haunt us and hound us and somehow show us the truth about ourselves. We discover in the wilderness that we too are beloved. Because we need a story like this one to buoy us amidst the chaotic swirl of grief and rage and numbness, cynicism, defensiveness, and helplessness that continue to haunt our nation since Wednesday's 18th deadly school shooting this year.
so far. We need a story like this one to remind us that the ashes that smudged us on the beginning of this journey means we repent from going through the motions of hand-wringing and thoughts prayed without actually changing. The first school shooting that I remember was in 1999 at Columbine High School in Colorado. I was in the sixth grade. That changed middle school, high school, and college for me. And in the decades since, there have been too many for me to count, and I decided it was good for my mental health not even to try. The generations of wounds caused by gun violence that crisscross the body of our nation haven't had time to heal before another tragedy forces us to confront the raw, harsh truth that we are fragile. We are vulnerable and we are breakable. So in response, we need stories that show us how to live with struggle, how to show surviving life well with wounds, and to show how children, or in this case, high school teenage students, how to live what it means to repent and call the adults in the halls and chambers and congresses of power who repent. All of us, all of us, need to hear the call of Jesus to change. That's what repent means, to change your mind, change your direction, change your heart and your actions. So we liberate the circles that we feel trapped in, circles of conversation that seem to circle round and round, thinking if we all can just focus all together on an issue, like the issue of gun proliferation, or the issue of mental health, or the issue of white nationalism. If we all could just focus on that one thing, then nothing like this will ever happen again. And I pray and ask like it won't, but I also know that that's not enough. As my friend, and maybe friend to many of you, Madison McClendon, son of our Michelle McClendon, prophetically wrote on Friday in a Facebook post, we don't have to agree about guns. We don't. But we do have to agree that mass violence, murder of children is unacceptable. And instead of trotting out the issue as excuses and distractions, put your money, put your time, put your votes where your mouth is, I would say put them where your prayers are and work to increase the ability of our commonwealth, of our country, to provide access to critical services in the areas you claim are the problem. Be a part of the solution. Identify the problem as you see it and work to end that. Because each of us has a unique interpretation on what the problem is and what the solution is. So whatever it is, let's get after it. Show by your actions what change and repentance and believing the good news looks like and living like the reign of God is here 
meet. This is the story of Lent, the story of wilderness, the story of wildness, the story of facing what we're afraid of and our fear of being afraid. This is also the story of being companioned by fearsome-looking creatures, but that may in fact turn out to be the angels who've been in our corner all along. And it's the story of proclaiming by our lives that change is part of what it means to be fully alive. And we welcome, as Christians, every chance we get to change, to repent and believe the good news. Over these 40 days, dare to let yourself be like Jesus, pushed out from places of blessing and familiarity, and dare to be swept up in the story's sacred spiral of promises made, journeys taken, calls given, struggles lived, and promises made and kept all over again. For it is in the shelter and the spiral of the story of God, his promise by the Spirit, in this journey with Jesus that we live. So let us live it well. Amen.